Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message.
so they decided they don't want to follow after Paul. Uh, so Paul is not your typical kind of leader. Paul, uh, if you knew Paul, you'd probably say that Paul is a good one. He an and in the pursuit of the mission of the Roman Empire, I mean, Paul went to the ends of the Roman Empire in order to tell the Gentiles about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the of Jesus. And if you ever met Paul, you'd probably say to yourself, he's not your ancient leader. He wasn't an excellent orator. He wasn't a great teacher. Um, he was poor, right? He was homeless. He didn't have a place to live. Um, he was a day laborer. He chose instead of uh, receiving money to uh, support his ministry, that he chose that uh, he's going to make tents in order to get Not only that, Paul probably wasn't the best looking fellow either. Because uh, if you read Paul's story, he got beat up a whole lot. He had a face for radio, if you know what I'm saying. Okay? So as a result, Paul wasn't the atypical type of leader. So in his letter, Paul is defending his position. Moreover, he is defending the position. He's defending the fact that he is a little bit fanatical in his pursuit of people and in his passion about the So that's a bit of the backdrop of what happened in this letter. We're going to look at a little sliver of it uh, for 2 Corinthians chapter 5, what Paul is talking about here. Uh, but I'm going to read the word and follow along. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Here's what Paul writes. He says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting many people's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Though God were making his appeal through us, and we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So this is God's word. We pray again. Father, thank you for the word that you give so much about the world written a letter to us, you your word to us, you have revealed to us very uh, personally who you are, and what you are told us. And so God, this morning we read your word, and we ask you, and your Holy Spirit, to speak to us, and bless us, and grow us, to us, one Well, God is on, what's anything clear from this letter, okay, is that God is on a rescue mission to save the world, and He calls us, His people, to be part of this rescue mission to save the world. Now, I think most of us will agree that God's mission is pretty paramount. It's pretty, it's pretty important. It's not something we can overlook. And for the believer in Christ, it is, in fact, one of the most important things we should be doing, we should be involved in, in our lives. God's great mission is rescue mission to save the world. But if you are anything like me, there are times where we lose sight of the big picture. There are, there are sometimes we get distracted from the mission, we get caught up with other things, or more minor details, or sometimes the mission just gets hard, and we run out of time. Sometimes we just feel like giving um, You know, when I was in high school, I, I played basketball on a really great basketball team, 
and uh, we won cities every year. And so for us, uh, our mission as a basketball team was always to win cities and to get to provincial. That was our goal. Uh, we did hands down every single year. But like most basketball teams, sometimes we get into city finals or we get into semifinals and we start to waver, we start to lose sight. And, um, you know, sometimes we get behind or we lose momentum or, or, or whatnot. And during those games, there's always one important thing that a coach could do when the team is getting slack or making questions to call a Okay? Pull everybody together. And you say, um, okay, it's kind of the group. Let's, let's talk about what we're really all about. Let's, let's remind ourselves of the mission. Let's get refocused so we can get back to What I want to do today is I want to call us together, God's people, huddle us together, and talk about the mission. Because like I said, I think we will all agree, this mission is, is pretty important. It's, it's paramount. And so as we dive deeper into the text this morning, I'm hoping to explore two fundamental realities about God's mission that are critical for us for the people. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to talk about just really practical problems of God for us as God's people. Alright, so here's, here's the first reality. Number one, the mission launches. The mission God launches from our identity. It launches from our identity. The starting point of mission begins with knowing who we are. It begins with ultimately with knowing what our identity is as God's people. You'll notice in the, in the text that Paul says that he no longer regards people, uh, regards Jesus or people that the way he used to. You know, that word regard is really important. That word regard means to know something. It means to have a deep understanding of something. Remember this about Paul. If you don't remember anything about Paul's story, Paul's used to persecute Christians. So he didn't always know Jesus in the way that he knows them when he's writing this letter. There was a time where Paul would drag Christians from their houses and would beat them. He would watch if they were they were killed for, for their faith. Um, and this was Paul's understanding knowledge of Jesus until one day. Until one day where Jesus met Paul on the way to Damascus. He knocked him off his horse. He might have a story. He spoke to Paul. He blinded Paul, and then later he healed Paul. And as a result of that, Jesus got Paul's attention. Paul became a believer, became a follower of Jesus. And he began to have a different knowledge, different understanding of Jesus as people. When that happened in Paul's life, he gained a new identity. And because he had a new identity, he regarded Jesus differently. He knew him differently. And because of that, he also regarded other people differently. And he knew them differently. So this, this, this identity is significant for us as followers of Jesus. So what is that? What is, this, what is this new identity that we're talking about? What Paul says that is that if anyone, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, the creation is coming. The old is gone, and the new is here. So in this new identity, you enter into a new reality. You enter into a new way of being. You receive new life in Christ. You gain a new purpose for living. You're guided by a new compass. You are in this new reality with a new identity. And Paul's very clear about how we benefit uh, new identity. Because it's something that God does. It's not something that we do ourselves, but it's something that God does. Paul says it happens by being in Christ Jesus. In other words, he says that God made him who had no sin become sin for us. Uh, as, as, as we know, the truth of the gospel is that um, Jesus himself paid for a rebellion. Jesus himself paid for our separation from God. And we were reconciled to God through 
Jesus, apart from Jesus, we are separated from God. We are spiritually dead. We are part of this old reality. But when Christ enters into our lives, He makes this relationship. He brings us together. And so when we put our complete faith and trust in Jesus, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, it's supernatural work. A work of we leave behind an old identity, and God gives us a new identity. And Paul says, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, the new creation is the oldest one and the newest here. Now, the question is, why is, why is this the starting point for mission? Well, because the key to living a victorious life in Christ begins with knowing knowing our identity. And if we can know our identity, and if we can learn to live under our identity, we will experience the problem. Knowing our identity is permanent. You see, the truth is, we ultimately become who we are. We become what we believe about ourselves. Let me give you an example. Jane Elliott was a third grade teacher the day was April 5th, 1968. It was the day after Martin, it was Martin Luther King Jr. was shot. So she was teaching in an all-white school in Iowa. And her little third-grade students could not understand, could not conceive why anyone would want to shoot Dr. Martin Luther King. Their, their young minds just couldn't understand the, the, the meaning of racism and bigotry and discrimination. It just, it just wasn't a part of their world. And so Jane came by plan that she would ultimately one day for today. So what she did, she took a box and divided brown-eyed kids and blue-eyed kids. And she made a shocking announcement to the listeners. She said this, kids, I want you to know, I'm dividing you up today. This is really important. I'm dividing you up today. Brown-eyed kids are superior to blue-eyed And so, she told the brown-eyed kids, she says, brown-eyed kids, I want you guys to know this. Because you have brown eyes, because you have brown eyes, you are smarter. And I want you guys to get out of your desk, and I want you to come to the front of the class, and you can sit in all the desks at the front of the class. And all the blue-eyed kids, I want you to go, and I want you to sit at the back of the class. And all the brown-eyed kids, you get extra time. Because you're so special. And all the blue-eyed kids, I want you to wear crafted a collar, maybe blue-eyed kids put a collar around there. And also on the day, she picked up special treatment around the brown eyes, but special treatment she treated them in a very uh, positive way, she spoke to them in affirming words, and she kind of disdained the blue-eyed kids. Now what was most shocking about this experience, how quickly, how quickly she believed this was holding they immediately began acting out of their new identity. So the brown-eyed kids that turned into these veterans, these nasty, vicious, discriminating third graders, slamming the other third graders who didn't have their eyes at the same color. They cast off friendships with the blue-eyed kids. They said, I'm not going to be playing with you. I'm not going to be playing with you anymore, right? They taunted them on the playground. And the blue-eyed kids, uh, when they were interviewed, they described themselves as sad, bad, What a day at school. Imagine that inner conversation with them over the day. And then the kids came back to the school center. And the teacher made an announcement to the class. I'm sorry, kids. I've got it wrong. I was mistaken. 
I just discovered from the school principal that as it turns out, the blue-eyed kids are the ones who are actually superior, and it's not the brown-eyed kids. And when she announced it, there was just this, this, from the back rows, there was this big applause and shouts of joy, and blue kids were running up and pulling off their collars and giving them to the brown-eyed kids to get to the back of the class. You know, one of the interesting facts that we discovered during that time is how the academic performance of blue-eyed kids was diminished as a result of this small on the first day, the blue-eyed students need 5.5 minutes of communication time. On the second day, it was 2.5 minutes Something had shifted in the way they saw themselves and in the self-identity. And when Miss Elliot asked them why it took so long, they responded, they said, well, we have these colors And all I can think about that whole time is colors the truth is, we, we become who we are. How we perceive ourselves, how we understand ourselves, shapes our future identity. Oftentimes, the reason why we don't live victorious lives as believers in Christ is because we are still living out of an old identity rather than our new identity. And so often, as believers in Christ, we are powerless because we see ourselves as too old, as too weak too young, too afraid, or not educated enough. We look at ourselves in light of the old reality. We regard ourselves, as Paul says, from a worldly point of view. We regard Jesus from a worldly point of view. But God says to you this morning that if anyone, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, the new creation has come, the old has passed away, the new has come, and when you put your faith in Christ, He places you, He puts you a new identity, a new reality. So, you are no longer a slave, but you are a beloved child of God. You are no longer rejected, but you are called and accepted. You are the dwelling place of God. You are His temple. You are holy. You are pure. You are spotless. You are blameless. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the grand who gives life to all things. You know that this morning? You are a new creation. You have a new identity. Now, this doesn't mean that you won't stumble once in a while. This doesn't mean that you won't fall back into old patterns. But that's all that they are. They are old patterns. They don't change your new identity. So when you stumble, you stumble back. Repent. Turn around, pick yourself up, seek forgiveness from God, and move on, reminding yourself of your new identity, and then begin to live in this new identity. Because here's the thing, your mistakes don't define you. Your past does not define you. God defines you. God defines you. If anyone has been questioned, the new creation has come when you grasp all of the truth in your life, it will work powerfully in you. And this is why you can say that you can launch the This is the second thing. It's a advances to our mission. advances to our Because we are in Christ Jesus, not only do we have a new identity, but Paul actually says we have a new ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation. 
Christ's ambassadors in the world. What is an ambassador? Well, an ambassador is someone who's entrusted to represent another person in their absence. And as believers in Christ here on earth, as physical, tangible bodies here on earth, we are Christ's ambassadors. We are citizens of the kingdom of God, and we have been entrusted to represent Jesus, the king of all kings, here on earth. We are his ambassadors. Now, we're not ambassadors because we just woke up on this morning and decided that we are ambassadors. Uh, we are ambassadors because we have been appointed by the king. Think about that. This is the high calling. It's a huge privilege and honor. And it's really mind-blowing when you consider it. That God would take average Joes and Josephines, right, and, and suddenly say, you are going to be my representatives in the world. You don't, you didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. But through my grace, I am appointing you to represent me on earth. So what does that mean, really, to be an ambassador? What, what does that look like to start this church? Well, it means three things. First of all, it means that ambassadors are sent. Okay? So ambassadors typically leave their own country behind, and they move out, and they live in another country. So you cannot be an ambassador if you stay at home with your house and burritos. Okay? It means leaving the familiar. It means leaving behind the comfortable, the safe, to live among people with different language, with different beliefs, with different values. You know, our identity as a church is that we are Jesus said to his disciples, the Father has sent me, so I am sending Jesus. The Father sent Jesus, the Son, into the world. The Father is sending God. The Father sent the Son. Son sent the Holy Spirit. And the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, sends his church out on mission in the world. We are a sent people. And so to be the people of God sent on mission in the world means that we sometimes have to leave our safe Christian culture. It means that we have to live among, we have to be among people who are far from God. So ambassadors are sent, but also ambassadors show. So ambassadors ultimately are appointed to be role models for the country of origin. Okay, so so when, when you meet an ambassador from another country, they should model the values and behaviors of that country of origin. Otherwise, they typically get sent home. Okay, if you're not representing your country well, and you're not showing what the country's like, typically you get home. So how an ambassador lives reflects who they represent. And in the same way, so of course, when people look it up, they see Jesus. They see Jesus, not, not just as individuals, but as the church. And sometimes I often wonder what people consider our culture, our church, and consider our community. Do they see Jesus? Do we show Jesus well? Jesus said, Let your life shine before men, that they might see your The messenger ultimately must be that the message. So, ambassadors show, but finally, Ambassador's care. See, the thing is, it's not enough to just show your good deeds. Ultimately, you have to share the good news. Paul says that, that we've been entrusted with a message of reconciliation. He, he, he says that we must share the good news of this God who is reconciling the world to himself through Christ. So, the primary role of ambassadors ultimately is to communicate, is to communicate this message message of reconciliation. You cannot be a, me- a messenger, you cannot be an ambassador, and not a So Paul writes about this in another letter, he writes about it in the book of Romans, chapter 10, here's what he says. It's how then, 
they call on the one they cannot believe in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. So ambassadors are not only sent into the world, they not only show ambassadors ultimately also share. And, you know, the most amazing thing about all of this is that there is no people. It says in the text that God is making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal to the world through you. So the church is his A plan. His A plan is not through angels. His A plan is not through spiritual beings. His A plan isn't through some robust and God's a plan is through average Joes and Josephines going about their day in the places where they live, where they recreate, where they work. That's God's a plan. His a plan is the people of God following God in his redemptive mission in the world. There is no other plan. And so the truth of this is just simply this. Every member of the body of Christ, every member of Christ's church is a ministry. Every member is a ministry. The ministry is not the responsibility of people. The ministry is not the responsibility of people with certain skills. It's not the responsibility of people with certain skills. Every member is the responsibility. As an ambassador, we stand it and we step into it. God gives you amazing things. Um, many of you know that I, I spent some time in October in Korea. Uh, it was part of a doctoral program that I was in, and our class was an immersion experience in Korea for 10 days. And during that time there, we visited a number of churches in Korea. We had to bring the leaders to invest in them to see how God is working in Korea. Um, one of the churches that I spent a lot of time with was a church called Songwin Church. And this local church wasn't the largest church in Korea. It was, um, it was a fair size. and probably a mid-sized church in Korea. It was a church of 30,000 people. Okay, um, can you imagine? Uh, 30,000 people were in this church. We spent some time with them. I had an opportunity one day to go and spend time in one of their home groups because the whole church is built around home groups. Everybody there is in a home group, a house of church, as it were, where they study together. And uh, a few of the home groups decided that they wanted to be on mission in the world. They wanted to take this idea very seriously, that they were ministers, remember, they were ministers. So they were doing this outreach, and we were allowed to come alongside and to observe what they were doing. What they were doing was really, really very simple. They, they, they went into a subway station, a very busy subway station, and got permission, and they just set up a little table. And on the table, they put out little pamphlets about their church and the club. And then they, um, and then they gave away for the passage by they went by on their way to the place work. So they, they graciously offered hospitality, hope, and welcome to Jesus Christ. And every once in a while, they would have the opportunity to share the Jesus So I went along, and I observed what the people were doing. And I thought to myself, I was kind of skeptical. I thought, yeah, I, I don't think it's a fly to Canada. You know, if we set up an establishment in Canada, the people would immediately get the guard up, you know, 
Well, I had a chance to watch this and to see them. And you know what I discovered? Is that that year, that little group has met 700 people, over 700 people. And brought them to life in the now, I want you to think about this. You, you might be thinking what I'm thinking, right? I must be some reason. Right? Like, who are these people? 700 people at this little tea station, right? Um, and, and often we would think that people would be superstar uh, people who are great, eloquent, awesome people and whatnot, and, and uh, who have all these skills, abilities, and whatnot. I want to show you the things that I can spend time with. Put them up on the screen. There they are. Okay, so those five little Korean ladies on my right side who come up to my shoulders, okay, and then the other two little Korean ladies were the same height over on my far left, their right, okay? That's the team. That's those seven people. The rest of us are just window dressing. There's me and my, my friend who's from the Philippines, who's another pastor, or another, another friend who's from Kentucky, and then the guy at the end is one of the pastors in the church. We have nothing to do with this mission. It's just these eight little dear ladies that God is using in a very significant way. You want to know why the church is falling in growth? I'll give you two reasons. Number one, they believe in the power of prayer and they pray. Number two, they are caught up in this community and every member and they give That's the good thing. It's not the eloquence of the ability of we long to be the best people of God who follow God in obedience and look for life and his rescue mission to the world. That's our longing for us to be the church. So how do we do this together? Well, I want to get really practical here. So bear with me for a little bit. I want to get really practical so you, you will see that um, we're doing a lot of praying First thing I would say is how we can do this together. Just be who you are, wherever you are. You are God's ambassador, so be a good ambassador, wherever you are. Show the love of Jesus. Share the love of Jesus. Be a sense person on this planet. Where you live, where you work, where you play. Whether you're playing pickup hockey or you're waiting for a ridiculous length of time in the world, okay? Whether you're on the sidelines watching your kids' soccer or you're online browsing your media web and you're tempted to be a troll, okay? When you're working in your people or working in your soccer, be who you are, wherever you are. Be an ambassador. Be a good ambassador. Share the love of Jesus. Show the love of Jesus. That's it. Here's the second thing. Help us multiply. We are excited about what God has been doing in our church this last year, particularly uh, in the last number of months. We, we have seen tremendous growth uh, within Cross Point Church. In our Sunday morning gatherings, we have three spot on, spot on kids. And it's been a good thing. This is a healthy thing to grow. And God causes healthy things to grow. This is a good thing. It means that more people are discovering what it means to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And because of it, we rejoice. The challenge is, is that 
much of our room and much of our space is reaching full capacity. So it's a problem, right? We're growing, but we're running out of room. But that's a good problem. If it's not, wouldn't you agree this is a good problem? Okay. And so we want to help solve this problem. And we want to invite you into the part of the We want to make room for you. We want to multiply them to get more people on the team to become fully developed. We're doing it because 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 we're doing it We learned anything in Fox for this last year is that God is his own friend and he's the change that and that's okay. And we're gonna follow him, whatever he tells us to do and whatever he causes us to happen, that's what we do. But we we're we're thinking about walking on the fall. But in the meantime, in the meantime, move forward. We'll unpack that more as we get to in the meantime, I wonder if you can help us kind of make sure we're going to I think this is something we all can do. I think you need a couple of suggestions. One thing you might consider doing is during our time. To actually squeeze in and leave them in the eyes so that it's newcomers from people from a little bit later than they come from. You need to do it for the first time. But two chances. Two chances to make sure you do it. All it takes is to go to the bum movement, and you can do it in several things. Okay? That's it. Not a big thing. Um, another thing you can do uh, is make room for other people in the parking lot. Uh, I want you to consider, if you have a really large vehicle, you can consider parking on the street. Uh, as you know, it's any better if you know from every street uh, have a low ride car. So, uh, are mobile, there are people who are not that mobile. It would be really great if you give them the opportunity to come here and go to the building. Um, I want you to know that if you can look at it, you park very, very far away. I park, I'm one of the places here, but I park very, very far away. And I park actually very, very far away. I do that for purpose. I do it for one of the reasons. So we're asking you to consider making room for all the people that you have to go to Okay, but for those of you who come a little early, okay, so you park a little bit, a little bit further off. Consider that if you have mobility issues, we're not asking you to do that. But that's one way that we can make it. Um, listen, in the weeks ahead, we have shared more about this
God, is there someone that you would want to be like somebody in my
Forge faster teams. Forge faster We also want to consider how many teams are carrying out. That's what it's going to be. We have a Tuesday night prayer meeting downstairs. All the people already in the meeting. We're going to have a Thursday night family night. They're meeting for adults and kids together. Amazing things happen when God's people come together to pray. The believer can that. You can see it as you see the description. God works in this way. Many years ago, my, my friend Scott was confronted with a very serious problem. My friend Scott had a sister who had gotten involved in a relationship with a guy who was Scott was a student at Bible College. He was back home. He was going to high school. And Scott had known He knew the guy, and he knew that he was probably the last person on the list. He wanted to take his sister. Okay. He's a party animal. He's a lot. He's a member of the girlfriend. He's a player. So Scott, who was hundreds of miles away, had no way that he So he did he went to chapel and gathered together a whole bunch of other students. He said, Look, I gotta tell you what's going on with my sister. There is trouble in my hometown. We gotta deal with this problem. So he gathered a whole bunch of students together. And together they called us together. Called us together. We break them up or would you save this young man? Would you just do something? Okay? Well, what Scott didn't know and understand at the time. Was that God was slowly and deliberately as a matter of fact, the young man stepped to the crossroads. He was forced on the road. He understood about faith. He knew that he didn't follow God and to walk the way to God. And several days after that little ceremony took place, God dropped a bomb in his life. Um, the young man had an experience, a spiritual experience. There's no way he could walk away from it and not believe that God was the God was the God. So on Friday night, the next gathered, all together, alone with God, and surrendered his entire life. And the word is that that young man is still walking with Jesus today. And the first thought, sister, parent, still walking with Jesus. So as you know, and as a result of committed ambassadors, gathering, seeking God, 
Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.